So the scripture I'd like to read with you for Lectio Divina is from Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. And as I read these, just don't try and understand it or interpret it or anything. Just let these words wash over you. See what the Lord draws your attention to. In between each of these three readings, I'll flip the timer for 30 seconds and just, just breathe in God's grace. Try and open your heart to the Lord. And after the third time, I'll invite you to respond in prayer. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. What's the Lord drawing to your heart, to your attention? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So after I read this the third time, I invite you to respond in a simple prayer of just saying, yes, Lord, or thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord, if you feel you need God's help in any of these areas. Whatever it is that God is placing on your heart, I, re- I invite you to respond. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality.
Let's sit for a moment with God in prayer. Jesus, it's very easy to say that we want to love all people, but then things get hard. It's easy to say that we want to serve you, but then life gets in the way. The hardest journey for each of us, Lord, is to live with 100% integrity within ourselves of our commitment to you of our faithfulness to you, of allowing you to reveal what's not so good within ourselves so that we can serve others with gratitude and compassion. So God, may you give us a desire to have our feelings be matched with action and our actions be matched with feelings or an understanding of your love for us and your love for all people. And we need your grace for everything that we would hope to do for you or with you. So Lord, give us all the grace that we need. And we trust that you will. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this hymn one more time. You're still good for it, Deb. Okay. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Genesis, the second chapter. In the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. In that day that you eat of it, you shall die. Distancing and all that, which we were totally okay with, but we realized partway through the year that Peyton really was ready to go to preschool. So thankfully the uh, school district had these standalone sessions this summer, six weeks where they would go for four hours, and Peyton just absolutely loved it. But I don't know if I'll ever forget this moment when I was, I think Gina brought her the first time or two, and then it was my turn to drop Peyton off. And, you know, she's a little bit nervous, and she's holding my hand and clinging to my leg, and and then eventually she sees the teacher and grabs the teacher's hand and goes in. 
And it was a really hard moment, not so much because, you know, of the sadness or anything like that. I mean, I worked through some of that. But it was just this weird moment of like, oh no, what is she going to do? <laughs> you know, she's never really been in an environment like that. Is she going to listen to the teacher? Is she going to be nice to other kids? All these different possibilities of what could happen, you know. Uh, and I have no control over it at all. <laughs> As a parent, it's a good example, it's a good lesson because you do so much within your home. You, you pour in all your effort, you, know, you do as best as you can to, to raise your kids in such a way that they'll grow in their ability to choose to make the right decisions. And you hope that it's going to turn out okay, <laughs> but that's just, that's just what it comes down to. You try to equip them to make the best choices that they can. And that action of a parent is actually a loving action because I can't possibly go and follow Peyton around and say, okay, now do this, now do that. <laughs> you know, say this, respond in this way, now do your homework, whatever. I, can't, I clearly can't do that. And I'll, I'll love her no matter what happens at school. But at the end of the day, it's up to her to choose. I'm using this example to highlight the type of intimate relationship that God wants with us. You see, God's ultimate desire is to be in a loving relationship with humanity. It's the most amazing truth and reality of our faith, hands down, that God loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. And God gave humans the capacity to wonder what God is like. My dog, Gracie, does not wonder what God is like, trust me. She wonders when the next time that I'm going for a walk is. <laughs> But God gave humans the capacity to wonder, like, what's God like? And the ability to choose to love and receive God's love. To love God in return of what God has done for us. That's an amazing and precious reality that oftentimes we don't think about. But a key factor here is choice. Love isn't love unless it's a choice. If I follow Peyton around and told her exactly to, what to do and what to say, if I protected her from all the mean things that some kid might say or give her all the answers so that she doesn't risk saying the wrong thing or feeling embarrassed, would that be loving? Would it be loving for me to just protect her from any potential harm that could come to her? Or would it be loving uh, if the people that you care about most continually followed you around? <laughs> Asking you when you're going to talk to them again? Saying, you know, we didn't talk since yesterday. Are you going to talk to me today? <laughs> There's like a level of trust and choice that's involved in relationships. It's this delicate balance in relationships involving choice and presence to one another and trust. Love isn't love again unless it involves choice. And this unfortunately involves the chance to choose not to love, the most painful part of reality. Now see, this is an important truth to understand because we all experience pain and suffering and loss in this life. In short, we experience and see evil in our world regularly. And in those intense moments of suffering or in the presence of extreme evil, we ask the all-important question that probably every human asks, why? And people's faith in Christ is either cauterized, 
it's solidified, it's strengthened, it's tempered in those moments, or it's shattered. And people walk away from God forever because they've been taught that, you know, God has a reason for everything. Or that all things happen for a reason. Or this is part of God's plan. And when you hear that and you're going through intense pain and suffering, it's not comforting. And we're not able to reconcile how could an all-loving God, which we're told God is perfect love who loves everyone unconditionally, how could God possibly love me if this is what I have to endure? And you see, we stop oftentimes at that threshold because it's hard to navigate those questions. It's hard to try and understand the mystery of how God works in the world and why there's evil in the world and how does God reconcile that. But it's, friends, it's the most important, the most important element of our faith to understand. And I'm convinced that that's why we don't have a full church right now. It's because we all experience evil and suffering. It's part of what it means to be human. We can't escape it. We can't run from it. But if we don't ask the deep questions and take deep examinations of why there's evil in the world, well, then our faith can't go deeper. Even if we continue to show up, we can't go deeper in our faith. We can't grow in our trust of Jesus and belief that He is who He says He is. So over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about this, the problem of evil. But today I wanted to start right from the beginning in this text that literally describes the beginning. This is one account of the beginning of how God brought all of creation into existence. And there is a lot of mystery here, but it's important to understand some of these key points. First of all, it's clear from this text that God caused all of life. There was nothing, and then God created everything that we see, including us. First it's Adam, in this text it's Adam, and then if we continue to read, he talks about uh, forming Eve. And all of creation, all of humanity comes from this moment. But God caused all of life. Every example given gives credit to some action of God. And the presence of the tree of knowledge of good and evil illustrates that This didn't just come onto the scene without God knowing about it or having some purpose for it. That God actually allowed evil to exist in the presence of this tree. Whether it's just a symbolic illustration or or metaphor or whatever, it doesn't really matter, but it's important to understand that God allowed evil to exist. And then God gave the command to Adam saying, you can freely eat of everything in the garden Live with abundance that I'm going to give you. This is the first command in the Bible. Freely eat of anything that you would like. And it's immediately followed by a negative command. It's immediately followed by this uh, warning. But don't eat from this tree, for you will surely die. So these commands, one positive command and one negative command, along with the existence of the tree in the first place, illustrates this very important point that God specifically created a world in a way that is conducive conducive for humans to be free to choose. So like a child choosing between right action and wrong action, the freedom to choose involves the risk of wrong choices. (laughs) 
Humans were made to choose to love God and to be loved by God. And we see that in the Garden of Eden, that that's what God established, is I'm going to, I want to dwell with you. I want to give you everything that you need. But in order for us to be in this loving relationship, you have to have the capacity to choose. But we're able to choose not to love God, which is exactly what happened. Humans made the wrong choice, leading to the moral evils that we experience in the world today. All the moral evils. All of those choices start in the human heart. For example, love starts within our heart. But so does hate. Self-control starts within the human heart. But so does lust. You see the choices that we make. Faithfulness to God starts in the human heart. So does unfaithfulness. Generosity starts within the human heart. And so does greed. Each of these examples and any others that we can think of start as the small choices within our own hearts. They they manifest themselves as little tiny evils. And a lot of times we, if we were grown up with good examples, we can sort of corral those evils and stop them in their tracks so that they don't impact other people. But sometimes those evils that start within an individual's heart turn into the most horrific things that we see and experience in the world today. And then again, we wonder, why? Why does God allow this? But the more important question, we should say, well, why does God allow us to choose? Well, again, love involves a choice. And choice involves the potential for the wrong choice. But God doesn't ask us to do something that He wouldn't do for Himself. Jesus, first of all, God chose to take the risk in order that we could know Him. Jesus chose to come to the earth to suffer and to die as, as, a, as a person, as a man. He chose to show us that He's willing to endure suffering so that we would know He is with us and loves us no matter how many times we make the wrong choice. He pays the price for our freedom. He comes to the earth to show us that we're loved and to give us the strength to choose to do good to choose to open our hearts to Him. And this is the text I wanted to read to you, that Jesus speaks about this truth Himself. I have the right one. Jesus says, the good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For as out of an abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And I would continue, I would hope that Jesus would agree with me that it's out of the abundance of our heart that we act. It's the choices that we make reveal what we care about the most, what our hearts are oriented towards. Are we choosing to love God and receive God? Or are we choosing something else, our desires, which can very easily lead us towards evil? God's desire is for us to choose to love Him, to focus on Him, to receive grace and courage and strength from Him, to learn from Him in the person of Jesus, to allow Him to shape our heart so that we would grow in our capacity to resist our desires, especially the ones that lead us away from Jesus. And honestly, friends, 
in our world today, as much as we're distracted by our, our, our phones and all the different things that we hear and think about, even the billboards as we drive to maybe Mankato or go on a trip, all those things are continually impacting our desires, pulling us away from Jesus and realizing that it's He alone who gives us what we need no matter what we are going through. So we get pulled away from Jesus. But one of the strongest reasons that I believe in the Bible in the first place, one of the strongest pieces of evidence in my view that really impacts my faith, probably the only reason that I'm a pastor, is that if you look at the problem of evil in the world, you realize very quickly that it comes from the human heart. And the human heart is what Jesus talks about the most. He's always talking about, surrender your hearts to me. Let me shape your desires. Realize that it's me that gives you everything that you need, that nothing else can sustain you in this life in the way that I can. That's what the the core message of what Jesus has to say is about the human heart. Again, God chose to allow evil to exist in the world because he wants us to love him. He wants a loving relationship with Him. But it's up, for, it's up to us to choose. To choose to respond in grace to God's grace by giving our hearts to Him. Letting Him form our desires. That's the hard part about being a parent is that I can't control the choices of, that, uh, that Peyton makes. I guess Baylor either. Darn it. <laughs> And what's really hard is I also can't control what other people might do to her. I can't be there to protect her from a bully as much as I would like to. And I can get really mad about the existence of bullies in the world, but it doesn't change that reality. I can only pray that she won't turn bitter in her heart. That she will know that she's loved no matter what. That she'll have the strength to respond to that bully or that difficult circumstance with grace and courage. And I also can't control if some other horrific evil takes place to my daughter. I can't control that. I can stay up every night worrying about it. I can talk about it with all my friends, but I can do nothing to prevent the evil that other people might do to me or my family. It's just true. As hard as it is to understand and accept, God didn't create a world to have autonomous robots who would love Him. To say, every time, I'm just going to make sure that Jerry Lee does the right thing, even though he's sleeping right now. (laughs) He's just feeling so comfortable. (laughs) He's feeling the love of God. He's one of the few that I know I can pick on him. (laughs) God didn't create us to be robots, to just choose to love Him every time, no matter what. Just like I wouldn't want Peyton to love me just because I say so. I want Peyton to love me because I love her. Because I show her that I'm present to her and that even in her worst moments that I'll still be there and bring her to sit on my lap and and give her a hug and do whatever it is that she needs me to do to give her the strength to live out her life. Well, God created the conditions necessary for us to choose, which unfortunately, I think we would all agree, unfortunately involves pain, loss, and suffering throughout the entirety of our lives. 
in the real existence of evil in the world. But Jesus has proved to us that there is nothing that God won't do to make sure that we know that we are loved and that He is with us. So the most important thing that each of us can do is to be radically committed to choosing Jesus each moment of each day. Every moment of every day saying, God, I choose You. I choose You, Jesus. I give my heart to You. And letting the good, the good fruits of our dedication, our faithfulness to God, flow out from there. Let me give you an example. We're going to be offering the Alpha course again this fall, maybe late September. And Alpha is a way for you to learn all the different things about faith that you might think you know all about. But let me tell you, I've watched them four times now and I learn something every time I watch the videos. We talk about the problem of evil. We talk about what it means to actually have faith. Why prayer is important. Does God hear our prayers? All these different things that non-believers especially wonder about. But if we're honest, we wonder about them too, just like we're talking about today. So you make a commitment to be in the Alpha group. You come and dedicate your time. You choose Jesus. You choose to love and receive love from God for 12 weeks. And from there, you grow in faith. And you get an authentic opportunity to say to someone that you care about the most in your life or family, I just went through this most amazing experience. And you got to do it too. Now that person might not believe in, in God at all. They're not aware of God's love for them. They're not aware of the ways that God works in the world. And they really have a problem with evil. And so your loving action, you're responding to God's grace by taking the loving Trusting step of being involved in a small group. Simple thing. All it takes from you is two hours a week for 12 weeks. That's it. Might lead to multiple opportunities to help other people know God's love for them. That's just one really simple, really practical way that you can do something about the problem of evil. Yes, you can. Because you can equip other people to choose Jesus rather than to choose the desires of their own flesh. We may not think about, okay, um, yeah, well, my choices aren't going to lead to someone else becoming a mass murderer or some of the worst evils. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the types of evils that happen within our heart more on a regular basis, like unforgiveness, like uh, animosity towards people who are different from us, greed, or this uh, consumerism mindset that literally just drives us to be obsessed about what we can do or what we can uh, obtain. All those are evils, you see? Because the worst evil of all is not those horrific evils, it's the indifference of God's people. The unwillingness to continue to grow in faith and surrender your hearts to the Lord. That's the worst evil of all because it actually stops God from working through us and making a huge impact on the world around us. I think that's what makes, what, what makes God the most sad is when His people say, I'm good. I don't really need to grow in faith anymore. I don't really need to take a step of faith. I have a pretty good understanding of it. And what you do when you... When you make that choice is you allow other evils to exist, if not in your own heart, 
in other people's hearts. And really, that place is a place of not freedom, but bondage. It's prison. And we can do something about that. We can change that reality for people. And it starts with having the courage to respond to God's grace in your life in the most simple ways. Growing in faith. Serving with a grateful heart. Being generous. Being compassionate. Choice is what's involved in a loving relationship. Whether it's with my children or with God. You want to do something about the problem of evil? Choose to open your heart as honestly and as wholeheartedly as possible to God. My commitment to you as your pastor is to create opportunities to do that. That's why we do the timer things that you may or may not like. (laughs) That's why I talk so much about small group is I'm trying to create the space for you to surrender your heart to Jesus. To let God's goodness and love flow out of you so that we can actually make a difference. So that I pray that you could open your heart so that the Holy Spirit can reveal to you the choices that you're making that are either leading you into the grace of Jesus Christ or somewhere else. And that you could have the courage to choose Christ and let others, including yourself, be inspired by your example. May we all have the courage and grace needed to resist the evil within our own hearts and to choose Jesus every time. Amen. So I have a couple, three actually,